to be here today. Glad to see everybody out. Uh, of course, Brother Darrell is, uh, and some of the rest of, the, uh, of our congregation are gone today. We're going to worship the Lord and, and uh, just lift him up and praise. Sing with us as we uh, sing. Let's go to the Lord in prayer first. Lord, we just love you today, and we thank you uh, so much for the opportunity to come into your house. God, we just uh, want to lift you up today in praise and song. And God, we want to pray for Brother Aaron as he comes and uh, uh, preaches for us today. God, speak through him the words you've given him. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. What a fellowship, what a joy divine meeting on the everlasting arms. What a blessedness, what a
should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. And we find a friend so knows our every weakness. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Are we weak and heavy laden? Covered with the load of care. Precious Savior, still forsake thee take it to the Lord in prayer in his arms he'll take and shield thee thou wilt find us all take it to the Lord Y'all may be seated. I'm taking a chance here, but I'm going to ask Aaron's dad to come up and pray for him before he preaches. Is that okay? Okay, that's great. Our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, as we bow before you this morning, Lord, we just pray that you would continue to watch over us, lead God, and protect us, help us to become the Christians you'd have us to be. Be with our family and friends. Those that are not here with us, we just pray that you would keep your hand upon him, Aaron, as he brings the word to us this morning, Lord. Open up our hearts and our minds to receive your word and apply it as your will sees fit. Thank you again for all the blessings. May you watch over us. Forgive us for we fail you. Jesus, sweet precious name we pray. Amen. I know Daryl had already had this all set up. It's going to take me just a minute, but... Um, after a lot of prayer and soul searching, uh, I think I'm ready to do this this morning. I was kind of up in the dark. I've known for a while that I was going to be up here. Daryl asked me a couple months ago to come and speak, and um, it seems like every time he does, he knows that I'm going through something or that I know someone's going through something, and um, it seems like the closer it gets, the harder it gets, then when I get up here, all of it goes away, so... Um, you know, God's got something for us this morning. Um, if you will, turn to Exodus. We're going to be in chapter 14. Uh, there's an outline of this on the bulletin. But before we get right into the message, I'm going to kind of give you a backstory, a context, if you will, of exactly what's going on. So, of course, in Exodus, we're talking about the Israelites and Moses. And for 400 years, the Israelites spent in slavery uh, Moses was the one that God called to lead them out of Egypt. And it wasn't just the fact that they were coming out of Egypt. They were coming out of the only way of life they'd ever known. The Israelite people had been enslaved. They'd been looked down on. They'd been punished 
for all this time, and they'd been crying out to God, God, help me, help us uh, get out of this. Now Moses, if you read through the first few chapters, it goes pretty quick, but Moses was called by God to do something he wasn't really prepared for, prepared for in the beginning. Moses was um, born into an Israelite people that were enslaved, and at this point Pharaoh was trying to make them more enslaved. He was, just, he was afraid of the Israelite people. They were growing so fast in number that the, the Pharaoh was afraid of them. And so he decided on his own power and his own authority, if there's boys that are born, we're going to kill them. And if it's women that are born, then, you know, let them live. And as time went on, you find out in the first few chapters of this, it wasn't working. The midwives that were supposed to kill the kids were not, or the kids supposed to kill the boys were not doing it. And God was blessing the midwives through that and providing them with their own families. And so then it came to where Pharaoh was like, I'm not even going to, like, look at the midwives to do it. Basically, if there's any new boys that are born, we're just going to throw them in the river. That's how they handled it. He was going to control population that way. And he said, let's just do this. And it wasn't a time of where, uh, like it is now, where there's judges and, and there's rulers and presidents. Like, he, Pharaoh was it. In the time of his day, Pharaoh was king. Pharaoh was law. When it came down to it, he had the last say. And so the Israelite people we're crying out to God saying, please help us. You've already helped us grow. You've already helped us in number, but help us out of this mess. So God sends Moses, and Moses is very reluctant at first. Moses is like, God, what? you sure you can't send somebody else? And God said, no, I'm sending you. And God said, or Moses said, well, God, I don't speak very well. And God, God tells him at one point, I, I, find it, I find this funny because I struggle with the same thing. God, why am I even up here? And God's telling me, because I told you to come up here. And I said, God, sometimes I don't speak the best. And God said, who do you think made your mouth? And that's exactly what he told Moses. So as I'm reading this, I'm applying it straight to me, and I think it's hilarious that Moses and his brother Aaron are the ones that are going to do this, and God's helping them through all this. So Moses goes to Pharaoh early on, and he's like, all right, you need to let these people go. And Moses refuses, and they have several different instances of where you, you guys know part of the story, the plagues and the things that come through. And Moses is just dealing with all this, like, I don't know if I can do this, Lord. Help me through this, Lord. Give me some signs. God gives him some signs. He gives him a staff that it can turn into a snake. You know, he gives him a, pulls, puts his hand into his uh, shirt and pulls it out and becomes leprous. There's all sorts of things that God's teaching him, like, hey, I'm with you in this. These are your signs. Go tell them. So back and forth, Moses and Pharaoh go. Finally, after the plagues and the last one, which ends up being where God kills the firstborn, Pharaoh agrees to let Moses go. He said, take your people and just go. After, after everything we've been through and, and everything that you've caused us, these hardships, now Pharaoh has just said, get out of here. And God actually allows them to plunder the Egyptians when they leave. Not only do they leave on foot, but every person there that's an Israelite is taking stuff from the Egyptians. They're just telling them, hey, give me this, give me this, give me this. And, and the Egyptians are saying, whatever you want, just go. Just get out of our hair because you've caused us so much turmoil, so much heartache that we don't want to deal with you anymore. And so as we pick it back up here in, in uh, chapter 14... What we're going to find is, after as many times as Pharaoh's changed his mind through the plagues, as many times he said, I'll let your people go, no, I won't. I'll let your people go, no, I won't. Pharaoh has once again decided to change his mind. He's once again decided that it's not good for Egypt to lose all the free labor that they had in the land. And so we'll pick it up in verse 5, um, chapter 14. It says, When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds. About them and said, What have we done? We have let the Israelites go, 
and have lost their services. So he had his chariot made ready and took his army with him. He took 600 of his best chariots along with all the other chariots of Egypt with officers over all of them. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, so that he pursued the Israelites who were marching out boldly. The Egyptians, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and horsemen and troops, pursued the Israelites and overtook them as they camped by the sea near Pi-Haharoth, opposite Baal-Zephon. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you have brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, Leave us alone. Let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve them than to die here in the desert. So, we're going to stop right there. Uh, Matthew, you want to go back to that last page? I'm going to stop with that verse first. I didn't actually tell him that. Um, but if you look on your bulletin, the first part is who or what is chasing you? Everybody has a Pharaoh. Everybody has a Goliath. Everybody has a giant. It's super easy. This is probably the one we'll spend the most time on because this is the one we deal with the most. When you look at, if I was to ask each one of you individually, you know, what is one thing in your life that you could just say, hey, God, help me with this. Instantly, something comes to mind for everybody. It's a sin or an addiction or a family member or a job or something that you're just like, I have to pray about this. God, help me with this. It's not very easy for me right now. Uh, I need some help. And when we talk about what's chasing the Israelites in Pharaoh, like I, like I said before, he is the end-all, be-all. He's coming to bring them back either into slavery or to kill them. That's the two options that they have. They see Pharaoh, and they're terrified. It's, it's almost as if the Pharaoh doesn't even get to them. Like, they surround him, and they look out, and they see Pharaoh, and they're like, all these memories come back of the 400 years that they've spent in slavery, 20 generations of family over and over and over and can't get out. And sometimes it's the same way with us. A certain smell will take us back to a time that we can remember, or a certain sound takes us back to a, an unpleasant uh, issue or memory my wife, everything that we do, we, she has a, a memory attached to her. I don't know how she does it. I, don't, I can't remember anything. I'm like my dad. My forgetter is the best thing I got, right? So my wife, it doesn't matter. She ties everything we do to an emotion. If we go on a vacation, she's happy with that, and it's happy. And we, we do something different. I forget to do something at home. She's upset, and she remembers it. And I'm like, man, you, you do so well with remembering things. And it's, it's that way with the Egyptians here. They're so strong stressed. They're so anxious because they see all this coming back on them at once. And the first thing they do is start to blame Moses. You know, why did you even bring us out of this? If we were just going to come here to die, why didn't you just let us be there? Like, we would have been better for us to remain slaves than to die here. And they almost forgot about all the things that he'd led them through to get them out of Egypt. And that, that right back applies to us again. We have so many things that God's helped us with. When the one thing stands up in front of us, we forget that God's already helped us with all those things. Madam, I'll step down for just a second. As I, uh, I remember in my water bottle, I forgot my um, little incense hanger. I meant to grab one of them from Walmart, but I've seen a post on Facebook a couple weeks ago, maybe a week ago, and it had a picture of a guy looking out of his car, 
and it had one of the little trees. Uh, I don't know what you call them, but they just they make your car smell better, a fragrance, whatever it is. And he took a picture of out from the inside of his car, and it had the, the fragrance right there hanging up at his window, one of the little trees, and another car behind it. And he said, how is it that this fragrance looks bigger than the car outside my car, but yet I know that car wouldn't fit in my car. Like, this is definitely the, the fragrance. And you could use the bottle. We'll just do this. If I take this bottle and put it closer to my face, I can't see Rusty or, or Dad or Samantha. It's because of the proximity that it is to me that it looks so much bigger than what's in my life. And so many times with the pharaohs or our giants or the issues that we're going through, they look so much bigger to us because that's what we're closer to. And the Israelites, as they were going through this, they looked out and they saw this army, but because the army was closer to their fear, their fear was closer to that than it was to God. You know, if they looked out and they saw what God has brought them through, it would be easier for them to just trust God in that. But because of all the memories and all the things that they had been brought through through fear, their fear was holding them down. So I kind of have the first two that, that everybody deals with. Who or what is chasing you? The first one's Pharaoh. Everybody has one. A giant, a Pharaoh. The second one's fear. When we, when we talk about what fear does to our body or does to our minds, we have a flight or fight response built into our systems. You know, if you've ever been through a traumatic or stressful or a scared event, you know that certain things happen. I had somebody tell me before church, they shook my hand and said, your hands are freezing. I said, yeah, all my blood's run up to me on my body because I'm anxious about this today. I'm nervous about being up here, but that's what happens. You know, your eyes will dilate and your feet, your blood will get to your legs where you can run. I mean, that's just the way God made us in the times that we're anxious. Some people talk faster. I get up here and I just start spitting out words left and right because I'm nervous. But the last one, and, and the, one, the one thing that I think we miss in all of this, in who or what is chasing us, is sometimes that it's God. When you look back at verse 8, it says, The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, so that he pursued the Israelites who were marching out so boldly. So the same God that brought up Moses, that took him through everything that he was dealing with to get the Israelites out of Egypt is the same God that was hardening the heart of Pharaoh to pursue them. And he said, well, that doesn't make sense. Well, it will, I promise you. But it does because God is the one trying to get them to see that with him and his glory, he can lead them through anything. And that's what we're fixing to go to uh, next. The second part, who, <clears throat> who or what is leading you? We're going to read on through the next verses, 13 through... Uh, 13 through 14, said, Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance will bring, the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You only need to be still. When you talk about the differences of who is chasing you versus who is leading you, sometimes both can be God. Sometimes God can be chasing us out of a situation to get us out of because he knows if he was trying to lead us out of it, we would never go. So he sends a Pharaoh. So he sends fear. So he's doing this all for his glory. But when we talk about what's leading us, this one I won't spend as much time on, and I know I haven't been up here very long, but this is one of those things where we have so many different ideas of what life is supposed to be like for us. We, we let, some, some people let their kids lead them. They decide, their kids decide if they want to go to church or not. Or their kids decide where they want to go on vacation. Or their kids decide how they want to act or what they want to drive. It's, it's not a good look. 
I promise you, God does not look on you favorably to let your kids lead your household. We're, we're called as men of the church to lead our household and our kids to be obedient to that. Some people, it's not kids. Some people, it's a job. My job allows me to come to church some Sundays, but some it doesn't. You know, but I got to have food on the table. I got to have uh, what, what I got to have to survive. And you make decisions based strictly on that job, where I'm going to live, if I'm going to go to church, if I'm going to have a family, what state or city I'm going to live in. Everything's based around that. And God said, again, that's not what we're called to do. Maybe it's someone else. The Israelites had Moses. Moses was leading them. But Moses was also learning through the process. And it's not that it was bad for Moses to lead them. It's that Moses was also learning how to follow God. I wrote these down and and ended up typing them up because, because as I said, it it really hit hard uh, on me and on my heart as how God was dealing with Moses. In Exodus chapter 3, verse 11, Moses asked God, Who am I that you would send me? Who am I that you would help me lead these people out of Egypt? And God said, You're the one that I called and sent. It's almost like a father-son relationship, if you look at it that way. It's like, this is, this is the one I'm calling. This is who I'm telling you to be. This is it. This is kind of like, just listen. Two verses later, he said, What do I say to them? When they ask me who sent me, what do I tell them? And he said, tell them that I am. That's all you have to tell them. I am who I am. And you tell them that. Back and forth a few verses later, what if they don't believe me? Moses asked God. And if you write these down in order, it's almost comical that he keeps on asking. It's just like my own kids. Where are we going? When are we going to get there? How long is it going to take? You know? And he says, what if they don't believe me? He said, here are some signs. Throw down your stick. and It'll become a snake. That would have been enough for me because I left that snake sitting there. He said, throw down your stick, it'll become a snake. Put your hand in your jacket and pull it out, or your robe, and it'll become leprous, and you put it back, and it's gone. He said, "Uh, touch the water, and every, uh, all the water that comes up out of the Nile, it will turn to blood. You know, it's just another one of those third signs that he gives them. It's just like, God's telling them over and over. He says in verse 10, this is when God finally starts to get aggravated. I don't speak well. Can you send somebody else? And said, God actually become a little irritated with him at this point. He's angry. He's like, who, who makes your mouth? Who makes the blind people? Who makes people that are able to see? Who lets you hear? I made all of it. And you're asking me if I could send somebody else. And he's like frustrated. He finally says, you know what? Take Aaron with you. Aaron will help you. Aaron will speak for you. You will be like God to them. And Aaron will be like your prophet. That's exactly how God puts it. Verse uh, chapter 7, he looks back and he says, what if Pharaoh doesn't listen to me? And this is where God finally reveals to him he has a plan. He said, look, he's not going to listen to you at first. He's not. That's the plan. But he will before we're done. And I'll gain glory out of all of it. So it may not be a job. It may not be kids. It may not be someone else like Moses. But it could be Jesus. That's what we hope for. That's the goal is that Jesus is the one that's going to lead us. We hope that Jesus will be the one to guide us through the hardest times or out of the darkest places that we come from. But Jesus only does this in a certain way. Jesus has his timing, and Jesus has uh, 
Jesus has his timing and he has his tendencies. That's what I wrote down. He has both. But so many times we want to take this into our own hands. Just like our kids, we want it, anything we want, we want now. God, how come I can't have it this way? This, is, this looks like the easier path. Why do I have to go through all this? We don't want to go through the harder road or the tougher path. And the Israelites, I promise you, if they could have not dealt with Pharaoh again, if they could have got out of Egypt and not had to deal with what they were going through without having to see him ever again, that's what they would have chose at first until they get to the point to where God looks at them and says, this is what's going to happen. Um, when we talk about shortcuts, when I talk about, I keep saying when we talk about, when I talk about shortcuts and trips that we take as a family or things that we do in life as far as trusting our path. If I set um, on Waze on my phone, Google Maps, and we want to go to Branson or we want to go take a trip, we always look for the shortcuts in life. And we always look for how God can lead us through shortcuts the same way in our spiritual life. And sorry, I'm struggling a little bit here, but I know this is going to make sense in a minute. Um, hmm. One of the verses I wrote down that I keep on going back to, because Daryl always tells me up here when you're trying to preach, it's not hard. It's pretty much impossible. And so one of the verses that I wrote down to myself is keep telling myself is, with man it's impossible but with God all things are possible. For God to lead the Israelites out of Egypt, away from the most powerful ruler ever, and have them not only just leave, but to plunder them and leave on foot. For God to give them the ability to do that and walk off and not have to look back, that was God. That was impossible. But then when everything came back raining down upon them, they were scared. And they said, God, I don't know how to deal with this. And actually, the word they used, I think, was terrified in that. And so when it, when it comes to how we let the Lord lead us and how we trust in him, we'll find out in the next few verses that God does something that none of them expected. They were caught between a rock and a hard place. They were caught between the river and the army, and they didn't know which way to go. So... The last part of this on the, uh, the outline, the bulletin, I wrote down letting go. I should have wrote probably moving forward because that's what God calls them to. God says uh, in verse 15, the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the waters so the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them and I will gain glory through Pharaoh and all of his army, through the chariots and through his horsemen. The Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I gain glory through Pharaoh, his chariots, and his horsemen. This is probably the hardest part of all three. The first one that we dealt with of who or what is chasing you, it definitely is one of those that everybody deals with. We all deal with the giants in our life. We all deal with the issues in our life. We all know who our Goliath is. Or one thing that we could pray to God because this is really bothering me. When you look at the second one of who is leading you, there's not so many choices. 
Like, there should be one. If you want to look at who's leading you, God should be the only one, the only choice, the clear path. It's, it's right there. So how do we get to that point? And that's what I wrote down, letting go or moving forward. How do we let go of all the things that terrify us? How do we let go of the, the image of control we think we have, but we really don't have? And so as I, as I got ready to preach to you guys, I'm also prepping for three sermons the next three nights. I'm going to preach to uh, a CFC church in Jonesboro where they're doing a disciple now for the youth. And I have to be honest, I'm more, I'm more nervous preaching to you guys than I am to the youth. It's just something about it. The kids, they bring something alive in me that makes me want to tell them, like, hey, you can do this, to encourage them. And as I was anxious about this, one of the things that helped me this week, I had so many people reach out to me and just be like, hey, I'm praying for you through all this, through these four days. I had one person tell me in particular, she said, I, I was telling her that, you know, the difficulty I was having prepping for this and the time that, that I was like, I just feel like I need to put more time into it, but I don't know why I keep doing it. I don't have enough time to do this. I, I don't have enough time to prep for everything that God's telling me to do, it feels like. And she says, the reason that you don't feel that way is because you're not letting go of it. That's, that was her word. She didn't know what I was preaching on. She didn't have a clue. But she said, you're not letting go of it. And one of the reasons you feel called to do all this is because of the young people that you have in your life. You always feel called to lead them and push them beyond what they feel comfortable with. And I said, well, you could have wrote this for me because I've been working on this for weeks. But so one of the ways that, that I want to demonstrate to you guys tonight, kind of a, a good way that, that it came to me that the Lord has given me is this is kind of, if I had one thing to say to you, this is what this would be. If I, had, if, if I just came in here and said one thing and I had to leave and this is the last time I was going to speak to you today, it would be this. A lot of us here, we come in here each week, and we say, God, this is, this is my cup. This is what you've given me. Help me fill it so I can go back through the next week. And God's saying, I'll gladly do that for you. And then we get it full, and we leave here on Sunday, and we hold on to it so tight. We, we hold on to it. We say, God, thank you for filling this for me, but now what I do with it? I only get enough for today. The Bible says he give us strength for today, but he doesn't give us strength for tomorrow. Matter of fact, the Israelites, as they moved out into the wilderness, God gave them manna for each day. And if they kept any of it, if they tried to keep extra, it would spoil. It would rot and it would smell. It would be full of maggots and stuff like that. That's all he gave them. So a lot of times we're, we're afraid. We say, God, well, this is all I get. But how do I use it? I mean, I've got to keep enough for me. My job only allows me so much time. My money... God, I only got so much money, I can't give it all away. You know, I know there's people in the church that need help. We need to go see, we need to visit my family. Lord, I got to take care of my kids. You know, the time that I get to spend with them is precious to me. I can't always make every Sunday. And God said, take this and pour it out and use it. You guys mind come up here and help me for just a minute? I asked a couple of the youth to come and help me because I think this is a good demonstration of how God really works. You can just stand up through here. And what God will tell us is, is as we, hold them up, don't let me pour it all over you. As we pour out our lives into a few people at a time, sorry, Pete, you don't get any. As we pour out our lives a few, into a few people at a time, we'll go through different levels. And God will give us upgrades. And God will say, well, I know you started here, but this is what I've got for you now. Your cups that'll hold more. 
and you can reach a few more people. And then people you forgot about, you can go back to, and you can reach them. And before you know it, you're pouring out more out of your life than you ever thought was possible. You'd never someone dump it on you? And God said, that's okay, but I'm not done with you yet. And you keep going, and I'm not going to dump this all over you guys, I promise. But God will give you another one. And before long, God's giving you something you couldn't have ever seen coming. God's using you. <laughs> Whew. He's using you in ways you would have never thought possible. And some people look at that, and some people are holding on to this so tight with everything they've got. And they look at you holding this, and they're like, man, I want that. I want that, but I want to go straight to that. And God said, there's a process you've got to go through. Just like God took Moses through the process. He said, you've got to go through the process. You've got to learn how to pour this out before I'll give you an upgrade to hold more. And that's what we deal with. If I had one thing to tell you guys, it's that, that I will learn through them. You guys can sit down. I was going to pour the big ball over you, but I changed my mind. If there's one thing that he's taught me through all this and through them, it's that he will consistently pour into your life to let you help out others. He will consistently lead you through the tough times, out of the slavery, out of Egypt, just so you can continue to glorify him in all that you're doing. The last verse that I read, the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I gain glory through Pharaoh, his chariots, and his horsemen. That's what it's for. If God can continue to use you to gain glory for himself, he will, if you let him, if you pour your life out into somebody else. I wrote down what the I exclamation mark this three times. God will go to extraordinary lengths to reach extraordinary people that bring him glory. That's what I wrote down. And I went back and crossed out. <clears throat> I went back and crossed out the EXT and extraordinary people. Because God will absolutely go to extraordinary lengths to reach ordinary people that will bring him glory. And that's what he's trying to do with all of us. If you guys want to come on up, if you guys don't mind to stand this morning as the band plays, and we have a time to just reflect on what God's done for us, what he's brought us out of, we also have a time to ask God to fill us up and to bring us to a new level. We have a time, and God's timing is just like everything it tells us about in the Bible. God's timing is all about today. He tells us, don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about what may be in the future, all your anxiety. Don't worry about what's chasing you. Don't worry about who you're following. Just look up to God and trust him. And this morning, you're going to have an opportunity to come and lay it all down. Anything that's bothering you, anything that's chasing you, anything that's keeping you from refilling your cup and up and leveling up to what God has for you, we have a time to do that this morning.
this is the air I breathe, your holy presence living in me. This is my daily my daily bread, your very word spoken to me, and I I'm desperate for you. I'm lost without you. 